Wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here morning show. Take it away, you two. <laughs> Good morning. Hey, snuck in a quick kiss we there. We did. Well, we do. That's just kind of like our way we get started. We kind of like morning, each so. other. It's just a way to kick off the show. It's Happy way to get started. Mm-hmm. So start a whole week. Like it's a Monday, right? Mm-hmm. Am I right about that? It's a Monday. Have to kind of double check that. You know, you get to be my age and you can't keep yeah. up with these kind of things. But uh, listen, we got a um, really important subject for today. And I think what I can see in working through the numbers is that it'll be the, um, it won't be the last time we talk about this subject. Like it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, cash flow obviously in our business is something that dealers wrestle with. And now we're, trying to figure out in response to some of the threads yeah. that we're out on social media. Um, we've got, um, you know, a topic around, I, I think our topic, our actual title was, um, you know, the, the value of velocity, right? Yes. So, so by velocity, we mean speed of doing business, speed of selling and all these kind of things. So it's, um, it's a really important thing for us to grasp. And I'm not going to tell you I've got all the answers today. I brought mm-hmm. answers that are based in mathematics, uh, not so much economics, you know? Yeah. So, but, you know, math is math. And in our work that we do as dealers, you know, it's just like there's been, been a couple of things happen lately that have kind of driven us to 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 decide on this subject. And just quickly, I might make a, a quick announcement. We've got our group two meeting of V8 tomorrow evening, mm-hmm. Tuesday night. There's still time to get in there. That's mostly larger dealers. Um, I would say, based on what I see so far, you're talking about probably best if you're a dealer with like 750 accounts or more for that particular group. And there's still a couple of spots available in it, and uh, it doesn't take very much to pull the numbers that are right. needed. So um, if you are interested, today's kind of like the last day to, to yeah, get I in could, on that Yeah, I one. could actually put them in there tomorrow. Could I mean, I, okay. can, I, I do need numbers early in the day tomorrow yeah. as I can get them. But yeah, it's it's a really simple composite submission, mm-hmm. so it doesn't take long to put people in there, but just, there's some yeah. stuff to and, sign up first. And then Wednesday, we have a couple of dealers that are going to be joining us, uh, and we're excited about that. Yeah, they, I got... Yeah. I got a correction to make because I put a yeah. tile out there like, on social media with a different topic for Wednesday. And I'm like, oh no, we got our we got yeah. our guests coming it's, on Wednesday. Yeah. So that's fine. <laughs> I'll fix the tile, get the word out. So we have uh, right. we're kind of keeping that a secret. You'll see a tile go out there with some kind of mystery silhouettes to uh yeah. to we got two dealers that are to coming it. to join us. We're gonna present them with awards on the Wednesday. So excited to do that. Yay. Yeah, fun. Okay. So on to our subject of the day then. Yeah. I'm okay. game. Um, shall we? So let's let's back up and kind of tell some of the backstory around yeah, how this there's topic some came really, to be. really interesting conversations happening yeah, over the weekend. For sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so Facebook, um, there was a gentleman and I think his first name was Sam. Uh, I don't remember the how to or say or pronounce the last name, but um there was a post about that this subject basically and then we've got another subject that's similar in nature for friday Mm -hmm. okay so we're we're um we're just kind of breaking this down because it's it won't be the last time this comes up for dealers it's a it's an important thing to contemplate and i think today i'm going to provide some mathematical answers and i'm going to throw in some questions that i think will help dealers to you know ask themselves 
how they want to make certain decisions about capitalizing their business. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, obviously one of the things when, whenever we go and do a, um, a new dealer and we're doing a, a, the launch kind of conversation, it's like, there's, there's two important structures and one of those is capital. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's the deal structure, but, um, the capital structure, it's, you know, it's not just about going out and if, if you choose to do that, getting right. a, a bunch of money, but making sure that it fits, um, a, a structure that will help you have success. Yeah. And so I, I got permission mm -hmm. from our dealer client in Ohio mm -hmm. to use his name, Phil Klima is his name. They're, mm -hmm. um, they're established uh, franchise operator, Mitsubishi dealer, and of course mm -hmm. good size used car operation and heading they're into, adding buy yeah. here, pay here. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Phil brought up as an entrepreneur, they're also in real estate. Like he's, he's a businessman more than he's a car man. And so um, I, and I appreciate that about him. And he, I asked him if he was okay for me to share his name because he, he said something to us that I don't hear phrased in exactly that way. And I, I just, it really struck a chord with yeah. me. Like I, I love the idea that he said one of his mentors early on in his business career told him that he should be prepared to pay for speed. Mm -hmm. okay. And what is, I mean, there's a lot of things you could say paying for speed yeah. um, for, for his, for part of, his reason, um, how that applied is, is making sure that you get the, um, get really good, uh, people on your side that can help you, you know, make, make decisions and, and do it quickly. But sure. there's another part to that. Yeah. And I would, before we go into all of those, I would say this is loosely tied to, or maybe closely tied to a conversation we've had on the morning show before around, mm -hmm the topic that we call the volume formula, which is uh -huh. the, the math behind figuring out how much volume is enough volume or an appropriate amount of volume. And for today, I want to keep the conversation a little more narrow. And, and what I mean is I want to focus on what is the price of not doing volume. It's kind of what we talked about in mm -hmm. the, in the, the volume formula equation. And so what we're going to go through today is similar in that we've got, we, we, I want to break down what is, what does it cost us mm -hmm. or what opportunity are we foregoing and what is the cost associated with foregoing that our opportunity? Okay. Mm -hmm. So we talked about this thing, you know, we're, we're basically here today to talk about, should we be paying for speed? Right. Mm -hmm. And then if we think about, you can go read online. There's plenty of stuff out there. If you just look up the word opportunity cost, you get into a lot of stuff around investment and economics, and they're, they're loosely relevant to what we're talking about here. Uh, but the key thing I would say is that you've got, we've got to first figure out what is, what is the price that we pay by foregoing business opportunity? Okay. So let's just okay. start there. Let's just kind of, right. and I, so what I did is based on conversations that we've had with some clients recently, like there've been three, we had a conversation even over the weekend cause we were traveling last week and had a client, you know, feeling some pressure around their finances and wanted to kind of get some help with some cash flow modeling. So we got on a meeting and I can just tell you that that was, it was helpful, I think to the client cause they felt less mm -hmm. pressure after seeing the thing and going through the numbers and realizing they're, they're, better off than they thought. But, but also just in working through that, it's like the significance of getting to a place 
where we've got enough positive cash flow. Now, this thread that we're referring to, I think, was in the BHP Success Facebook group, right? Mm -hmm. So I, part of me doesn't want to mention names of the parties there because I always feel like when people are in there, they're in a private Facebook group of buyer payer people. They may or may not want those things mm -hmm. said outside the group. So I just choose not to name names. But there were some dealers who had some really interesting feedback on that thread and that they landed on both sides. So do you want to tell the story about what the thread was about? Because those that haven't read it, it's like, yeah. I have no idea what this dude's talking yeah, about. No, I guess so. Yeah. The, so it, it's really about a dealer had their line of credit called due and they, they just chose to, yeah, they just chose to cough up the money. They had the funds mm -hmm. in their operation. And so now the dealer was questioning, you know, I'm, I'm limping along. I'm just, I'm letting my cash build up and because I use my surplus cash and I don't want to take on any debt. And of course in our line of work, um, mm -hmm. floor plan doesn't really solve much. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we were talking about or that what they were talking about is should I access some money, essentially, should I access some money and build my business back up in terms of volume or should I limp along, use my cash, grow slowly, organically, and I found it really fascinating. I said so. Like I was finding the thread fascinating. I think it's important that we're going to want to continue to bring experts to this conversation. For today, I wanted to start the conversation around some mathematics. And it's really just about thinking about what is. So I, I chose for my model, we can start to look at it here. I chose for my model uh, comparing the volume of 12 sales a month, partly mm -hmm. because that's roughly the range that the dealer, you know, in the thread was talking about. But also we have another dealer that we're working with is kind of in that same mm -hmm. situation where their volume monthly is probably averaging in the low teens or around 12. And now, so I compared a volume of 12 versus 20 a month. Okay. Do you want okay. me to put that Yeah, on? go ahead and put it up there and we okay. can start to talk about the numbers. So, and those of you who've watched us before, uh, yeah, you're familiar with You this recognize chart. this cash flow yeah, modeling tool. And I made it tool. super simple um, so that for comparison's sake, it was... Um, kind of easy to lock down variables as, as some of you have heard me talk about. And so what you're seeing on the screen now is let me just walk you through the numbers that are, that are loaded. I just picked a real simple structure of a $5,000 unit cost to $10,000 selling price. We've got some add-ons in there. They're being calculated based on sales talk, sales tax and some title fees, whatever, but then $1,500 down and we're doing 23.9% APR. And I kept all those numbers the same all mm -hmm. the way across my analysis. Mm -hmm. I also took out the RFC because I think that sometimes, you know, is confusing, pollutes things a little bit, but that just means that because we don't have an RFC in these calculations, the cash requirements are higher. We, 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 we have a lot of taxation requirements mm -hmm. because of this modeling, but it's the same in both models. So don't let, uh, let's not get too hung up any of that part. But the thing that I, I would say is that it also shows, um, I don't want to confuse people too much. This also calculates the amount of receivables, like how many dollars would be in the portfolio at various stages and um, mm -hmm. where it shows it in various stages, actually calculates it monthly, of course. But this, this is really the part that I, all I did is I worked through these numbers and I'm about to show you is I changed our volume from 12 to 20. That's it. All okay. the operating so expense was the same. What do you want to like point out on so this? So before I go uh, to the other numbers, let me just show you at the bottom down there, it shows overhead per month at 47052. Excuse me. So I arrived at okay. that. Oh, yeah, yeah, right here in the um, 
Uh, right. So that's pulling over from an overhead sheet. And let me just kind of show you as I move over to these other numbers, it'll make more sense how I arrived at those numbers. I got to be careful about how I move this. So um, again, I recognize some of our folks will be listening on audio later. And so um, we'll try to share the numbers as clearly and specifically mm-hmm. as we can. So this, I chose the overhead number based on the conversation we had with Brent Carmichael. I fished that out. We had Brent Carmichael on last uh, week ago, Friday, and he shared their quarter, their third quarter numbers from the NCM uh, peer performance uh, groups. And that showed that for small dealers, which is mostly what we're talking about here in this volume of 12 to 20, they said the average, the benchmark average was about $4,000 per car sold. So that's how that $47,000, you know, okay. came out as I just used $4,000 roughly as our overhead per car sold. And I said, if we're selling 12, now this other thing that does is we're making some assumptions here that for most dealers, the cost of going from 12, the actual overhead, um, including marketing to go from 12 sales to 20 sales would be negligible. If anything, I'm not sure dealers would have any additional expense from going to 12 the volume of 12 to 20. All right, explain so what it is now. Well, I'm just saying if I'm if I'm a dealer selling three cars a week. Oh, okay. So for the overhead, week, yeah. Gotcha, it's probably gotcha, one gotcha, salesperson or whatever. Yeah. It's not it's not gonna move my cost much. Yeah, because you're to still to 20 cars a, a month, you're probably still with one person. Probably um yep. potentially. Yeah. Yep. And so okay. your your cost and so for this illustration, I did not move the cost up. I just said if our cost stayed the same. So now we're just analyzing, should I take on debt? How mm-hmm. much, first of all, how much more cash will it require of me to mm-hmm. do 20 sales instead of 12? Mm-hmm. And then the next thing is wh- what's the payoff? Okay. You know, how long will it take for me to, to recover that? <laughs> so now when I look at this and it says, okay, so max cash out. This is, just, I thought this was super interesting. I mean, cause it's, it's, this is almost doubling your, um, well, it's eight more deals a month so it's almost doubling mm-hmm. your 12 to go to 20 and what the difference is yeah so it looks yeah. like you know to do again this is keeping our overhead mm-hmm. the same and the way mm-hmm. the formula works by the way is it just does the calculation on it assumes that you're just replacing exactly what you're sold and keeping your inventory level the same right mm-hmm. that's just all it's meant to do so now it says that to do that with that overhead level replacing those cars again with those add-ons factored in that to sell 12 cars a month, if we were starting from zero, we would need $862,000 to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if we were then selling 20 a month instead, that number goes to 1.192. And that's only uh, $300,000 difference to almost double. $330,000 yeah. difference to increase your volume mm-hmm. by that much. Why? Because, well, first of all, it's important to note in that model that I built, this, this modeling tool that I use for kind of first run high level big picture dollars it 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 assumes that you do or calculates that you do 12 sales a month every month from the first month right so we know mm-hmm. this is not not exactly the way mm-hmm. it worked but when we're working with assumptions we're just modeling mm-hmm. out we're just saying and this is over this is the course of five this years is five years so uh-huh. it's but it's basically it wouldn't take five years to use that cash it would take probably in the range of 12 to 15 months um i didn't look at that part for this study but it's like are the maximum cash that's going to be required of us to, to start from for zero five that years ball. for five years. That's how much the maximum cash in five years that yeah. you would need. Well, we won't need that across five years. We, we need that much money in the first 
12 months or so. Okay. Gotcha. Okay? So mm -hmm. yes, that'll be the most we get negative. So the way I always explain it to people is like, if you were, if it's a new dealer and they're thinking about it, imagine mm -hmm. it's a line of credit. It's like we would draw that line of credit up to 862 in the example of 12 volume. We would draw that line of credit up to 862. Then we would get cash positive and then we'd be able to start paying the line of credit down. Okay. okay? So we would, mm -hmm. that's kind of a simple way to think about it. But as you said, it's only $330,000 difference for me to do that extra eight sales mm -hmm. a month. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I did the math on that. I said, okay, if I went and got a three-year note, just let's do a 36 month note. And let's set the interest kind of high at 18%. It's kind of what a lot of the lenders are charging right now. So if I, let's say it's uncle Joe, or it's, you know, some lender in our market, if, if they were to provide you as a dealer with a, an 18% interest rate on a $330,000 loan, your payment would be about 12 grand. Your interest across the entire three years would be $99,000. So now we have to ask ourselves, is it worth it? So now I go into the parts about, let's look at, let's look at what changes. Let's go down and look at the numbers for the rest mm -hmm. of this. So now my five-year cash flow at 12 sales a month, this is cumulative cash flow. This is in, in excess of what I put in. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is recovering everything I put in and I'm positive 372 at a volume of 20, I'm positive 864. So almost a half a million dollars more in that I generate months. in positive in five cash okay. across five mm -hmm. years. Okay. Mm -hmm. So again, I have to recover the cash that I initially put in. And this is saying I'm actually, you know, uh, exceeding that. Now let's talk about the receivables. And we all understand we have phantom profit in this business. The, pa mm -hmm. the paper, the, the principal balance of the portfolio really only matters if we're selling the paper. Right. So, mm -hmm. but what it says is if we did the five-year model at, at a volume of 12, I show at the end of five years, we'd have about 1.67. Mm -hmm. Okay. Whereas if we were at a volume of 20 a month, we'd have about 2.78. Okay. Okay. So a difference of $1.1 million in receivables, again, doesn't help us unless mm -hmm. we're borrowing against it or can otherwise leverage those receivables or we're selling the paper. It's just, it's an asset on our balance sheet. And we think that asset, it, it should be generating cash flow for us. Right. Mm -hmm. So now let's look at the cash flow. And I think this is the way I chose to look at it one, one more way. I said, okay, if I did that and I started doing 12 sales a month from month one versus 20 sales a month in month one, what would my cash flow look like in year three? Mm -hmm. That's significant to me because that's pretty much the first year that you go fully positive. Like your portfolio is now topped out. You, you've generated positive cash flow. You're now so I looked at the three-year cash flow. And what this says is that in year three alone, this is just, oh, you want to move it up? Or yeah, you, you can't see it on this. Okay. There you go. So the, um, in, in just year three, if I'm doing 12 sales a month, my positive cash flow is 300 grand, 30505. And if I'm doing 20 sales a month, even though I went much more negative, to get there, mm -hmm. um, my cash flow in year three at 20 sales a month is right at a half a million. Okay, so this is significant to me because now I got a difference in just the just the third year. I'm going to bring in 300 grand more cash than I would have. You follow that? Math 300 so far? or 200? Uh, well, I'm bringing. Uh, maybe I said the not wrong number. Yeah, it's 200. it's 200 grand more cash mm -hmm. in year three by just. Um, just by doing 12 sales a month 
Or divine t- doing 20 cells Yeah. yeah. I, I, I should have more coffee. You should have more coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing you're here to keep it straight. Uh, so as always. Uh-huh. So, you know, I think that's that's the part that I think for today is, is really the piece that I wanted to illustrate. And this is just simple math that using some, you know, drivers that mm-hmm. would drive the portfolio. And again, everything is the same in both scenarios. It's basically assuming that we collected a similar rate, mm-hmm. all those kind of things Our charge-offs are happening at a similar rate. So some will ask, yes, charge-offs are factored into this. Uh, when you look at those receivables numbers and all the cash flow and everything. So I just think it's helpful to start there and say, you know, so, so what I'm foregoing by, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to have $300,000 of debt. I'm not going to have that $300,000 of debt if I stay at my volume of 20. Mm-hmm. Of 12. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> yes, you're getting cross-eyed uh-huh. over here. So if I stayed at my lower volume, I'm not going to have that debt of 300 grand. And I think the piece that's most interesting for me, and keep in mind, I'm a business, I was a business owner. I owned a business before I was ever in the, in the car business. And I think one of the things that I really want to ask people to think about, let me get it on the screen. We can remove my, um, remove my, my screen there, but let me just ask people to think about this. Like what is, what is your capacity? Because to me, that would be a pretty telling thing uh, to help make that decision. So Mm -hmm. for example, as we talked about early on, if, if, if I am selling 12 a month and I have the capacity, I have the access to inventory I have enough lead flow. I have a sales team and I'm capable of producing 20 a month out of my single location. Nothing has to change. Mm-hmm. Then I think that to me would be a critical piece in the decision-making because if I have to spend money to increase my capacity, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But if I have the capacity to do, and this is the way that Phil and I talked about it, I think was that if I have the capacity to do more then why wouldn't I optimize that? Like, to, it's like I have certain fixed expenses, real estate. I'm going to have a certain amount of payroll that, you know, you might not call that fixed, but it's going to be a base level of expenses that just to have my doors open. Right. And now, but if that takes me to a certain capacity, it allows me to produce a mm-hmm. certain amount of business. Mm-hmm. Then now we look at, so what am I, I'm spending more per mm-hmm. car sold right? My overhead mm-hmm. per car sold, as we showed over there, was mm-hmm. is going to be higher. I did that math too, and I, I didn't bring it over. But when we jump from 20, that cuts that overhead per car sold down to $2,200 from or something. 39. From 39. So you, again, I'm keeping the cost the same, you know, and I'm saying if my volume goes up, then obviously my, my amount of overhead per car sold is lower. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm actually more efficient Mm-hmm. by just producing my full volume, my full yeah. capacity. And so, can I make a, a just a note too? And this is something that we, um, we talked to a lot of dealers about um, is that uh, the size of your lot mm-hmm. has very little to do with this. Yeah. Um, the size of your inventory has very little to do with this. Right. Um, that we've, we've seen dealers that have $150, 150 cars on their lot. And, you know, they're, they're doing 20 a month and mm-hmm. we've seen ones that have 12 yep. and they're doing 20 a month. Sure. And so, you know, it's, again, it's, it's, um, the, the size of the lot 
Um, it, it depends an awful lot on your pipeline, but the size of the lot is just what you want. Yeah. It's not about what will sell and mm -hmm. what will, what will be able to, to create that amount of sales. It's just about, you know, it's your pipeline, that kind of stuff. But, um, sure. so th right there, that's a huge to me, um, uh, overhead question too, mm -hmm. is, you know, if, if you've got a lot that can fit $150,000, yeah. And, and you could do half of what you're spending on that on a lot that could, you know, or 150 cars, mm -hmm. um, you, you spend half on that and have a lot that will do 30 cars. Yeah. You can do it. That's a good yeah. point. That's mm -hmm. kind of a, it's a subject that we can take on in the future kind of related to this, but it's really about, first of all, it's optimizing. Mm -hmm. I see Vic's question. We can go ahead and tackle that. So, uh, Vic Everett Steeler out of, uh, California, California. that's been mm -hmm. doing used used car business and now he's stepping in to buy here pay here and we're sort of getting to know him a little bit. So Vic's question is are you against spending to increase capacity? No, I wouldn't say that I'm against spending. I think it, it, I I like to see dealers have an appetite for growth. I think what we saw we recently did a poll in the new um dealers only or principals only Facebook group and asked and and virtually everybody said that they are of a mindset to enjoy controlled growth right mm -hmm. that was that was the mm -hmm. predominant answer to that poll and what that says to me is that you know we we should always be prepared to grow i think i said in the comments when the description for this post is and i want to clarify like i i have said for years and i tell potential investors i say it to people you know if it's an investor and investee i will say to both of them I've always said, and I think I'll always believe that it's a mistake to move too fast in this business. So what do I mean by that? The key word is too fast, right? It's like, what is, what is a manageable amount of growth? Uh, we see people mm -hmm. enter the buy here, pay your space, and they can sometimes get to be what I call intoxicated by the gross profit. It the, looks, yeah. <laughs> it looks good. I just actually heard from somebody the other day kind of asking questions that made it sound like it was bringing a sort of a retail mentality. And it's like, I think the the short answer, Vic, would be yes. I'm I'm okay with spending. It's like, but we have to just do this math and say, what are we spending? Like for me, when I look at that, I'm just I'm borrowing or otherwise, you know, sourcing the capital somehow to grow that to acquire that other 330, so I can reach my capacity, so I can optimize my capacity at that building. And by my quick look at that, I would say if I can recover 200 grand of the 330 in just the third year alone, then I think the math supports acquiring that capital. And I'm sure our capital people out there who are listening would say, yeah, it's worth it. And this is at 18% interest. So, mm -hmm. you know, you saw in my model, we're charging the consumer 23.9. We're sourcing the money at 18%. And I'm simply saying, what am I paying for not, you know, doing business? So I think mm -hmm. we covered that part. Did I answer Vic's question thoroughly? I'm just trying to remember exactly. Just well, it was, sure. uh, um, are you again spending to, to increase, increase capacity. capacity? So, you know, spending by sometimes we, we got to be super careful with some of this language. Sometimes when you say spending, I don't know if we mean overhead. Some people would lump into spending, you know, mm -hmm. cost of inventory, which, you know, is not an expense. It's a, the cost of goods sold to acquire more inventory and, and you know so difference in assets mm -hmm. and actual expense spending but 
But the short answer is no. I'm not a, I, I think we have to grow. And I think one of the first ways to answer that question or others like it is what is our capacity? What can we do at this location in order to optimize our yeah. money? And, and what, what you're talking about though, is increasing what's your capacity at your location. Um, you know, and, 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 uh, <laughs> that's a whole nother topic about, we'll add another location da, da, and it's, so many dealers that we talk to is like, it's not worth the headache. A yeah. lot of times. I mean, you really, it's there. Yeah, that they, a, yeah, that's, that's a different conversation. That's a different conversation. I, I do look forward to bringing some dealers to the conversation, yeah. talk about expanding laterally versus vertically and all mm -hmm. those kind of things. But so how uh, do you expand vertically? Like you just said, um, so in that location, volume. when you, you know, what is your capacity? Yeah. Is, is it um, a good idea to spend? And, and I think, you know, uh, just from things that we've talked about, like you said, the up to 20 units sold a month, that's really only um, a very busy one salesperson. Right. Um, right. And, you know, that's, that's not bad. A one salesperson, if you're, if with commission and all that, they're going to be like, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I want to do 20. And that we've seen two small lots that are producing 30 plus a month that, sure. you know, only oh, sure. have 12 units on their, on their lot. And they're just, you know, they've, they've got all their systems and processes down and, you know, they're able to, 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 to support that. So this is, so this is more of a, a growth strategy vertically, like mm -hmm. you said, instead of yeah. horizontally. Yeah. And, right. um, and no, it's, we're not adding another sales, mm -mm, location not adding another sales, sales location. Yeah. No, we're not increasing our expenses. Like that was part of the modeling is we keep mm -hmm. our expenses the same and we understand it might yeah. not work exactly that way. But it, I think the real first question is going back to the yeah. Facebook thread was, you know, should I, cause I'm getting a little frustrated at watching <laughs> us only sell, you know, two or three cars a week. Mm -hmm. And I think the short answer for me in that was if I've got the capacity Mm -hmm. and power. I got the leads already coming. I've got the means to do that business. Then I think my first recommendation would be let's, let's look at what, it, what kind of capital will we need to optimize the infrastructure that we already have? Um, one question that I have about your modeling on this and, mm -hmm. and we, you know, we talk to a lot of dealers when we're, when we're um, helping them make decisions about capital and, you know, I, I mentioned that there's two structures that are really important. It's the structure of the deal and the structure of the capital that there is um, there are big carrots that are dangled for dealers to take more out with capital than needed. Um, oh, and and where I, what I'm saying is, is that, and I think that most of your modeling is at like a 50 percent advance. Um, actually, doesn't do that. It doesn't, doesn't do that. Doesn't That's do what any doesn't calculations do it. for uh, but, the funding. Okay, this is just for the funding because I just I know. cash required from wherever it comes from. Okay. Gotcha. Because I know that, uh, um, you know, that's one of the things that we really encourage our dealers is to keep their funding at a 50% advance rate. If you do that, you're going to be in a much better position if um, economic changes happen, if you have an increase of your um, of your charge-offs, that on all of those. But when we go for the max, because it's like we can, when you go for the max, um, that you over leverage and yeah. you can and, put yourself in a you bad position. you use the word 50%, like the actual number. And, I, you know, we want to see dealers stay in a healthy leverage. If that's 45%, if it's 55% mm -hmm. relative to the market value of the paper, like mm -hmm. the real liquid 
value of the paper. Um, and, and of course that can change too. It's all the more reason that we want to see us stay down, but that'll obviously keep our capital costs yeah. down when we can keep our leverage lower. We're yeah. just trying to keep dealers in a healthy place. So, you know, for some dealers, that number might be a little higher, might be a little bit lower, but well, we just recently saw a dealer, um, talk about how they were offered 52 cents for their entire portfolio. The market value. Um, the market like, value. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And so they so opted not to do that. They opted and not to do that. But imagine if they were leveraged at 65 cents yeah. and they were being offered 52 cents. It's right, like, I can't sure. do that. I yeah, yeah. lose a lot of money. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, they absolutely cannot do that. They would collect it out instead. They probably weren't going to go negative. If they're selling the mm -hmm. papers, probably to come up with is to receive cash, not to yeah. <laughs> have to cough up cash. <laughs> so, so it's like, yeah. um, yeah, I'd say that there's there's a lot of elements to this, but I felt like for today's conversation, I want to just keep it around. And I look forward, we'll have Phil Klima back on the show one day and talk yeah. in more depth about, you know, his business and his experience. And obviously, like I said, with him, they're also in real estate. So, you know, that would that advice might have come in the context of real estate. And as we were working with him and looking at the numbers in their case, we were just looking at the real value of being able to hit the ground running. Like What's because going back to that volume formula, if we start slow and we burn up more operating expenses mm -hmm. before we get to 50 and 75 and 100 accounts, then it's going to cost us more money in the long run. Yeah. If, if you uh, have the ability to search past podcasts, look for the one we did on the volume formula, yeah, and that will explain an awful lot. Go to yeah, our YouTube, on YouTube channel and, and uh, yeah. you can find it that way. But mm -hmm. I would, yeah, I would just say that's, that's kind of the quick thing that, that we were talking about in, in his context is what is, the value, like this is our question with the value of velocity. Um, I might give a shout out to our, you know, people that we know, our friends over at Agora Data. They they talk a lot about the value of velocity, right? Being able to source the money, do business at a volume. Mm -hmm. So it's it's loosely related to what we're talking about here. I think for us, keeping it simple, we're just saying, what is the, what can you gain? by acquiring the necessary capital through whatever means, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, um, maybe don't rob a bank, but I would just say, <laughs> you know, whatever means you can access the capital, then, um, then you just, you know, basically be able to turn that money around. Uh -huh. Can you leverage that into, you know, I, I, I'm a cash flow guy. So I just want to know, will it create more cash flow? I'm, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, I can create more receivables. I sell more cars. I'm going to create more receivables. Absolutely true. But unless I intend to sell those receivables, I can't spend that. So it's like I what we can mm -hmm. spend is positive cash flow. And so I'm just trying to figure out will will taking that extra capital put me in a healthier cash flow position and can I and then I can sustain that. I can repay the debt and stay up there at that inventory level or that that account mm -hmm. level. So long way to answer the the question that kind of was posed in the in the Facebook thread. I hope it helps somebody. Uh, but like I say, I think for me, it's just, it's math. We don't have to have an numbers, economics yeah. degree to create Excel spreadsheets. And so we're, we're not approaching this um, in the same way that an economics professor might. We're just looking at the hard cash numbers mm -hmm. and, uh, and also factoring in some receivables there in, in a way as well. But yeah, again, I think that's, we, we covered it. I think we'll, there'll be plenty more because there's so many kind of tangential things to talk about yeah. off of this subject. And so look for us to, to come back and dig into this deeper with dealers and experts and, and keep going. Cause we all need to have the answers to this.
Yeah. You know, this is an important time to mm-hmm. be figuring out what, what, what can I justify paying for money? And, uh, you know, and we have seen a spectrum mm-hmm. of what people are paying for money. Um, sure. the, the, you know, the, uh, 18, 19% is, is what a lot of the big players are, yeah. are charging, but, you know, depending on your relationship with your banks and, and all of that, that it's, uh, we've seen, we've seen a spectrum right. of, you know, a spread of more than 10 point, 10 percentage yeah. points. And if you don't like the rate mm-hmm. you're getting, call Michelle. She's loaded. She can. Oh yeah. Know, she can I have like $7 in my wallet. Oh yeah. Well, that's something. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, all right, everybody. In, we'll thanks see you so Wednesday. Much. We're going to, uh, award a couple of dealers with uh, White Hat Way Awards for 2023. Mm-hmm. So join us on White Hat Wednesday and uh, find out who the two dealers are that have been named. Right on. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Thanks again for joining us.